When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. I'm Pete Sampson with our regular crew today, Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley. We're going to change up the format a little bit today with camp a little more than a week away. If you've been following uh, some of our content on the site, we've been sort of doing a staff roundtable poll-type content with Kelly's best players, the most indispensable guys on the roster. We looked at the schedule over the weekend and what we're going to do this upcoming Saturday is sort of a, a you know a player development themed survey among our staff. So we're gonna edit that down to Tim, Tim, and myself, and run through twelve questions here. That will be our podcast today. And uh, first up on that list is, what do you see as the bigger challenge for Notre Dame in twenty fifteen? Defending the triple option or defending up tempo offenses? So we'll go with Tim Priester on that one. I, I'm not confident with either one. I don't think anybody is. I, I don't know why you would be confident with either one, but I think. I mean, all things being equal, I think when you play playing two opponents this year in Georgia Tech and Navy that run the triple option, I think there are answers, there are definitive answers to stop the triple option. I think stopping up tempo is a little bit more difficult because once that ball gets rolling, I don't really know that the answers are as definitive and as clear as they are with a triple option. Yeah, I agree. I think I think everyone struggles against good up-tempo offenses. I think almost every defense sure. has some problems with it. I think you can mitigate it. Brian Kelly talked about that a little bit in the spring, just their substitution patterns and everything. But I don't. That's not, you know, North Carolina up-tempo offense just destroyed them, and that's not the best example of a dominant up-tempo offense. It's a good one. It's an underrated one. Yeah. I don't think it looked that bad again. They were dragging so much at the end of that game, Notre Dame, because of it. Pete, the the coaching staff, I think, is confident that this time around they're going to get the triple option. Yeah, down. <laughs> I mean, that, this is pretty much what Bob Elliott's job has been since he you know took over as special assistant to the head coach is to research triple option approaches and how do you defend it. And I feel like every time Navy comes around, Brian Kelly gets up there at his press conferences as well. Everyone gets yards against – Navy gets yards against everyone. And that's not actually true. But these, like, high-powered Oregon – Gets yards against everybody. That's that is true. Unless you're Stanford and just beat the crap out of them, um, Notre Dame isn't designed to do that. And defending a elite up tempo offense usually means defending elite athletes, whereas top triple option offenses don't. I do think that Justin Thomas at Georgia Tech is one of the most scary players on this year's yes. schedule, but. I think the coaching staff is much better positioned to defend the triple option than up-tempo, and I think nobody has really defended up-tempo well. Question two is, Notre Dame's quote-unquote new starter or new key player that you're most confident in is whom? Mine's actually Zaire. We We had a little bit of a list provided if you kind of think off the top of your head who hasn't had, you know, more than one or two starts. There's a lot of rookies involved, of course, but I, I mine's Malik Zaire. I have confidence that he will be... To use a word we're going to use later in this, a winning football player. Um, I, I think his time is now, I think, third year in the program. I think they're going to design the offense so he can be a winning football player. Um, 
I don't want to take anybody's answer. My other thought was per perhaps McGlinchey, but I think Malik Zaire would be my choice of, call him relative rookies. You know, obviously he's not a complete rookie, but I, I think he's one that, that, that I would side with. I, I, I like them both. I, I agree with you on, on both measures, but my first pick would be McGlinchey. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the reason for that is because the improvement that I think that he made from his first career start against LSU to the spring was significant. He's confident that he made the strides that he needed to in terms of eliminating the lunges and, and, and things like that. I think McGlinchey's going to be outstanding. But, I, you know, I think, and this is one of the reasons that we've said a couple times on podcasts, one of the reasons why I don't change my prediction uh, as far as the number of wins this year, having lost Everett Golson, I think Everett, or, uh, Malik Zaire will be just fine. I went more with Quentin Nelson. I think it, it has as much to do with the position as anything. He's a guard, a little bit more covered up, and then you're between Ronnie Stanley and Nick Martin. So... You can kind of hide in there a little bit, whereas I think Mike McGlinchey can't. Um, I think Mike McGlinchey has a great chance to be a great right tackle this year and maybe a good left tackle after Stanley leaves. Um, but I, I, have, I have a pretty good, confident feeling about Quentin Nelson being a, a very good offensive guard this year, and I think if that's Notre Dame's fifth best offensive lineman, that's a really healthy place to be. Question three, age doesn't necessarily equate to improvement. The upperclassman or starter a regular contributor that would surprise you if he's markedly better is Chris Brown. <laughs> I mean, I, I you know, I just I I love to see it happen for him. I like the kid personally. Every time that we've dealt with him, uh, but I just I, I'll only believe it when I see it. I, I you know, you look at the depth chart, and I believe they even had Chris Brown listed ahead of Corey Robinson. I, I think in terms of consistency, Corey Robinson's going to take a huge huge step up this year in his junior year. I just don't quite believe it with Chris Brown. I hope I'm wrong because if 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 we're wrong or I'm wrong about Chris Brown, that's going to be a real dynamic receiving core. I mean, mine's, mine's Romeo Quara. And it, it, part of it is that I think guy he's battling, Andrew Trombetti, can, can at some point, he was even with him last year as a true freshman, I think he can pass him. This year, uh, I know it, it's really not fair to Aquara, who I think turned 21 this month as a, as a senior. Yes, uh, he, should have, <laughs> he should have two years. Yeah, he, he should have two doesn't. years left. He doesn't. Uh, so I, I, you know, I don't think he's going to be a poor player at all. I, I would just be surprised if he had market improvement where yeah. he, he's really yeah. the best. You, be you, my, you look at him and think that wow. would be my choice on the defensive yeah. side. I take the flip side of Priester here and go with Corey Robinson because I I think he has a chance to be good, but I don't. I don't know if he's going to get any faster. Yeah. I don't know if his hands are going to get any better. I don't know if he's going to run routes any crisper than he does. A, I think he's a number two receiver, which yeah. is fine when Will Fuller is your number one. Um, but I, I actually I think Chris Brown has a chance to be to be better to to take a step forward in his game, and I feel like Corey Robinson has the same chance. I just I don't know if that's going to happen. I just I, and I don't want to pick on Chris Brown yeah. here, but remember preseason last year how oh, good yeah. Chris Brown looked in the preseason yeah. and. Basically, as soon as the season started, he went away. Off again. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I agree with you on Robinson because I think there's a cap on his athleticism just because of his length and the, and the frame that he's dealing with. I think it's an interesting debate between the two because Brown had a rough first half of the year when Robinson really got going there, uh, especially Robinson really got going towards the Florida yeah. State game, and then Robinson died out in the second half, yeah. and Brown got a little better. Brown never looked as good. Let, put put them together, and maybe yeah. you got you got a pretty, you got a pretty good position there. Number four, Malik Sayer will remind Irish fans that he's a relative rookie in this game. Well, I think Nordium's going to, the, the game that I'm convinced they're going to lose at this stage is at Clemson. Clemson is, what was the stat I gave you, Tim? 26-2 and two at home in their last 28 home games. 
I kind of look at that game though. It, when when I look at that and think of that, I think I think Alabama when Everett Golson played well and everybody else struggled. I kind of think that that's what it's going to be more than anything. But if there's a game where youth is going to show up, it'd be at Clemson. Yeah, mine's Clemson too. And I go back to what we talked about when Golson was still here. That when you want Golson and Zaire to both be here, is that perhaps in Death Valley when you're down ten nothing in the first quarter? And you're backed up to your own end. Who do you want throwing that slant to get you out of there? I think that's when he could show kind of, uh, I guess, shows youth. It's not that he's not yeah. going to compete the whole game, right? Yeah, I mean, I would go Clemson as well. I mean, it it does. It reminds me a little bit of Oklahoma in 2012. Whenever Golson, you're like, okay, I'll, this is where like Notre Dame's going to get exposed. It's just a good team and not a great team. They obviously won the game. Whenever Golson played outstanding football, um, I could see Malik Sire doing that. I'm. So my vote's Clemson, but I have like a half vote for Georgia Tech because that's going to be a pace of play game where you're like, you you have to trade serve and trade serve and trade serve. And if you get broken, suddenly it's like, oh, God, the pressure really turns up. You know, and and I have great concerns about Georgia Tech as well, but Georgia Tech was one of 10 FBS schools that allowed five yards per carry last year. Now they have eight starters returning on defense, but I think that that's a – that's a situation where Norty may be able to exploit that. And let me say this about Malik Zaire. He may make mistakes at Clemson, but he won't, quote, go into the tank no, like we no. saw Everett Golson do a few times. I just mean costly play. Sure. I think he'll compete right. all the way through. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean he's going to be the GOAT. I just yeah. think that, yeah, there's costly mistakes that can happen for a young guy. Yeah. All right, number five, who is most likely to be a consistent winning football player for at least 10 to 11 games this year? On defense, we've got Elijah Shoemate, Max Redfield, Jarek Grace, or Jerron Jones as our candidates. I'm concerned about injuries with Grace and Jones, just at least mild concerns, of course, until you see it. Um, but even failing that, I'd still, I'm going to go with the guy that hasn't proven anything yet, except that he is good on paper, is Max Redfield. And I think Redfield is uh, going to prove, he's, he's a junior, second-year starter. He's too good of an athlete, I'm, i if he has a bad year, I'm never going to talk about him again. Or if he has a bad month, I'm never going to talk about him again. But my guy is Max Redfield for this. I think he will show up and uh, be a very good football player most of the year. I've said this a few times in the spring and summer, and maybe I'm just, you know, a hunch of mine, but I just think Elijah Shoemate's going to finish really, really strong. Yeah, but the guy that I have the most, I, the two guys that I have the most confidence in, and it's because of who they are and their intelligence and their personality, and that's Isaac Rochelle. I'm not saying he suddenly become a will become a 10-sack guy, but I think he'll be a consistent, <clears throat> steady player, just like oh, yeah. he was last yeah. year, only only up a notch. And Matthias Farley. Uh, Matthias Farley is confident. He knows what he's doing out there. Is he the best athlete out there and will never get exploited because of lack of athleticism? Of course not. But I think Rochelle and Farley are probably the two smartest guys you have out there. Yeah, I agree with you on Shoemate. That would be, of these guys, my pick. I, I think that they're going to put him in a position where he can just fill the box and be a strong safety and not have to do a million different things out there. And that's his game. I, I thought he looked good in spring practice. Physically, he looks amazing. Um, and, you know, this is it. He's This is a contract year for him. And the thing I like about Elijah Shoemate, you know, there have been times, obviously, where he didn't know what the hell he was doing out there, but he does it fast and he does it aggressively. And I give the kid credit for that, though, when in doubt, he plays faster and more aggressively, and that's a good, good I feel place like there. He also has some self awareness when he doesn't know what he's doing, which is a benefit to yeah. him. Because if like if you're confident that you know what you're doing and you don't, you're never going to figure it out. 
he knows that he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. So I think that that aids him in figuring it out. He knows that he has he has a lot to learn. And actually, one thing I want to just add quickly on Shoemate: when Notre Dame was just getting destroyed out at USC, he competed all four quarters. Yeah. There's not many guys. I mean, it's, no, you know, he'll it, he'll continue yeah, to do he's that. He's 14 but... tackles out there. There was nobody doing anything at the end of the game other than him, and nobody wanted to be involved in that. And you know, it's he kept going. All right, same question on offense. And I think we sort of got into this a little bit, but Mike McGlinchey, Steve Elmer, Corey Robinson, and CJ Prosize, who has the best year of those four? I think Steve Elmer is ready to be a, a, a pretty consistent offensive lineman. I, certainly as a run blocker, pass blocking is, is the issue that he has to deal with. Uh, but I think that he's reached a point where he's played enough and has enough confidence in his ability to play pretty consistent football. And then I, C.J. Procise, although I don't know that that's a kid that, that has that innate confidence in himself right. that he can do it, but I think he's done it often enough and is big and talented enough that he's going to be a pretty good football player however he touches the football. Yeah, I think he's been through enough. Um, we used to, we joked a little bit last year about how often they went to him in the clutch and it, and it didn't always work out, but I, I think... He's set up in in the running back role in a little bit as a receiver. Obviously, that's really gone away because of the suspension to Bryant. But I I, I would be surprised if Procise isn't a what we're calling a winning football player for most of the year. That doesn't mean you're going to be dominant for 13 games. Do you have somebody from that list, Peter? Or yeah, you're going I, off I that feel, list? no, I feel good about Elmer. Um, I feel good about McGlinchey. I'd say Procise would be three, and, and Robinson would be four yeah. for me on that list. All right, we've got sort of a three part question here, and it's ranking the positions by tier. First tier is championship level. Second tier is sort of, I don't know, minor bowl or fringe New Year's Day bowl. Uh, and then the third tier is not close to that. Uh, still needs a lot of work. So, I mean, I, I broke this down. I thought it was, it was pretty, I didn't, ha- I guess I had one position that I was unclear about where I should put it and the other ones were pretty set for me. I thought championship level, I think Notre Dame has championship level offensive line, cornerbacks and receivers, even though I've said Corey Robinson has, you know, got a lot to prove. I thought I think they have very good linebackers, running backs and a quarterback, and I think that safety, defensive line, special teams and tight end are well off the pace of a team of what you would expect from a college playoff team or even a New Year's Day bowl team. So that that's sort of how I saw those positions. I, inc- I included linebacker at the top in good health. That was so, a, yeah. that was a position I wasn't yeah, sure on because yeah. I was like, yeah, championship maybe, but I had just like maybe one or two many questions. Uh, yeah, I, I think the main question is the health of, but the problem is the health of two players, you know, Schmidt and Grace. You, you really have to see. We don't know. I, I don't know why I keep saying this, but I just think Schmidt is more hurt than we're being told. Well, fine. This is not inside information. I just when guys don't participate at all in anything in the spring. It hasn't yeah. looked good in September. Guys like different positions, but guys like Cave in the past, Nick Martin. So my worry at linebacker is only injuries. I like their versatility. I love the Smith, the fact that Smith can play Sam and Will now. I mean, I like Anawalu no matter what. You know, I think Anawalu would be better served if Smith plays a lot of Sam and they kind of split time there. And, and I'd love to see, yeah, not to get too much of the linebackers right now, but you have Morgan Grace... Smith and Schmidt sharing two positions inside too. I I do move that one up, and I agree with Pete on on. Uh, I'm not sure defensive line. I guess I can't move it up, <laughs> but I kind of like them if they're healthy. I, I do like having Day, Rochelle, Jones is the key. If Jones is healthy, and if Day can stay healthy, I, I like that defensive line a little it's more. It's like defensive line. I have a question about every single player, which just like kills kills, kills the buzz for yeah. me. There, yeah. um, you know, there's not a. 
Isaac Rochelle is as close to a sure thing as you have there, but I don't know if he's a championship level player. Right. If he's a bet, they each have a thing. shortcoming. They, yeah. they yeah. each have you know, as opposed to in 2012 when he had two at Knicks, you knew that those were NFL right. players and would probably play in the NFL. I, I would agree with Tim in terms of the linebackers if they're healthy. Um, you know, at this stage, we've been speculating about where they're going to be. I, I, I reach a point right before camp starts. It's like, I don't want to speculate about it anymore. Right. We've done it for seven, eight months. It's just time to see exactly what they have. But I think, you know, I think linebacker, you know, when you say tramp, championship caliber receivers, I mean, I don't, I don't think that you need to be otherworldly to win a championship with quality, solid receivers. So I think that they're good enough there. I think they're good enough there, a linebacker. But I don't think, I don't think defensive line is a championship um, caliber no. uh, unit. And I want to say this: the until the offensive line really proves that it, it's a quality unit, one that they can lean on and consistently run behind, I'm going to have some doubts about it. When you look at them individually, you say, "Yeah, that 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 could be a great line." But here's my thing with Quentin Nelson: I think. You know you have to be you have to be patient many times to be a quality offensive lineman, and I'm not sure that Quentin Nelson will always have That's that because point. he's so he's so aggressive. So he may run himself out of plays just because of his aggression. But look, this is a pretty good football team, and I think we all agree <clears throat> that they're certainly capable of winning double digit games this year. All right, we got a two parter here, and it's uh, all on Brian Kelly here. I think Brian Kelly's greatest strength as a coach is blank, followed up with. From what I've seen at Notre Dame, I think Brian Kelly needs to improve on this area. Blank. We'll start with the strength. I was going through trying to think the great, the biggest strength he has, and I really think this probably isn't something people want to hear now, but building and rebuilding programs. I think he can build a program anywhere, and I think in Notre Dame's case, he rebuilt it into something that was viable, obviously, in a three-year span, and it now seems like it's getting back to that healthy level. I, I think... Anywhere he, I mean, you could say anywhere he's gone, he's built championship level programs. They they contended in 2012. I know that's kind of getting lost a little bit now since then. Uh, but I think it's becoming a long time. It ago is becoming now. a long time ago, but it did happen. You know, you have you have to look. It, it would be <laughs> if they never come close to that status again, then we can revisit saying that he's not didn't build a championship level program. But if you, if you don't want to include Grand Valley State, you got Central Michigan to be good. You got Cincinnati to be great for their level, and you got Notre Dame to the doorstep. And that's how I would, yeah. I would go with his, his ability to build. Yeah, you know, I think overall his organization, the way he structures his organization, I think is pretty impressive, as impressive as I've seen in, in the many years that I've covered Notre Dame. I think it's a a pretty smooth functioning system and organization, and, and there's something to be said for that. I don't think you have a ton of highs and lows because of that, um, and that, that works to its favor. The negatives, I... Run pass balance. I, I, I think I would. I personally would come back to that, and then you know the recruiting part of it. I, I there's so many in there ebbs and flows for every every school in, in the recruiting part of it. But you know, I don't know that they are pursuing, especially when it comes to defensive linemen. There there are a lot of guys. You know, they're going with the project as opposed to not that they don't pursue some of the big name guys, but. Yeah, how many projects work out? I mean, right. in the grand scheme of it all, I'd, I'd really like to kind of go back and look at every you know guy that was deemed a project and how many of them actually worked out. It looks good on paper and in planning, but I don't know how many of those guys actually work out. 
Yeah, I, my strength, I, I think, is player development has been really good. Um, it has I, been. I, I, I think that his sort of organizational chart of how to run a program is his biggest strength, and you mentioned that. But yeah. I think player development, um, you know, whether that's Will Fuller or, you know, now we're getting to CJ ProSize a little bit more, uh, Matthias Farley, Kavari Russell. Uh, I, I think his player development especially for non-quarterbacks, has been outstanding. Now, I, I would say that his where he's has to adjust is his player development of quarterbacks because that, that's been very uneven since he's been here, whether you're burning out every Colson or really just lighting things on fire your first year and figuring out what's going what's gonna, to you know, take. Uh, you know, the Tommy Reese situation was you're stuck – that was more of a recruiting situation. Yeah, yeah. You didn't have the guy you wanted, so you had to play this guy who happened to be wired the right way. Um, but there was a ceiling on what you were going to get out of him. So it's, you know, is Malik Sayer suddenly going to be like, ah, it's all coming together here? Or are we going to kind of punt this down the road again and it's going to be Brandon Wimbush? My, and my, I, I'm glad you brought up Malik Zaire because I mentioned last week, I think he is now, if you take what's already happened, the most important player of the Brian Kelly era, because it's all over now for the other quarterbacks. Weakness for me was definitely quarterback management. Yeah, it's in his five years, Malik Zaire has to be the one at this point. I mean, we're going to say Brandon Wimbush, so we're saying 2017. That's what I'm saying, it's yeah, like, it's, it's. I don't even know if he's going to be here. Zaire's got to be the guy. I'm talking about Kelly. Yeah, yeah. no, that's what I, that's what I mean. Yeah, Zaire has to be the guy. You know, I I think Pete, you make a great point because I think we kind of take that for granted. All the, and here I was just talking about projects and not turning yeah. them into players, but yeah. the fact of the matter is, you just named several, and, and I and I and I, I admit I, I've underestimated that a little bit too. But um, you know, can you put it all together? You have an opportunity now to put this would, all together. Like, not to reintroduce my point, but Gerard Jones needs to be mentioned. It's like that was a huge player development no win for Brian no Kelly's doubt. staff because no he doubt. was a guy coming in mentally, he's all over the place. People think he's soft, he's out of shape, is he an offensive tackle? We saw him the first time. We're like, oh god, this isn't yeah. that athletic. And then, boom! Out of nowhere, it seemed like. But at the end of his sophomore year, this was a player, and then he was very good last year. So it's, I, you know, he gar- he said, I guarantee my player development his first press conference and yeah. at every position other than quarterback. I think he's he's hit that mark. I mean, Rochelle's a great example of player development yeah. from freshman to sophomore. We yeah, we talk about him a lot. He's a very good football player, and he wasn't. There, it was weird that he was playing as a freshman, and all of a sudden he was a quality football player all the way through the year. He was as consistent as they had. And, Pete, the Will Fuller point is great. I mean, think back to one year ago today. So we thought Devaris Daniels was there. Mm-hmm. Nobody in the world had Will Fuller starting for Notre Dame last year. It was Devaris Daniels, yeah. Chris Brown, Corey Robinson, and then a slot receiver. You know, would be the four and guys. he catches 76 passes, yeah. ties the Notre Dame record for yeah. touchdowns. Yeah, it's, I mean, at the receiver position, this is always an interesting point. This is back when we were with rivals, but like Will Fuller, James Anawalu, Corey Robinson, um, and might have, I, I think there was a fourth receiver, but they were all three star prospects. Hunter came in with them. Um, yeah, yeah, and, Tor- yeah. and Torrey Hunter was the, they were all three star prospects when they came, when they committed. Right. And then you watched all their senior years, and yeah. all four moved up to four star prospects right. as they had such great senior years. So I think they've, then to uh, identify players on the rise a little bit, uh, especially at the skill positions. You know, and so, Tim, what, what was your um, sort of where he could get better? Is it quarterback development? Well, I was, personnel at, management? I, I was looking at just the, the recruiting, recruiting structure yeah. and then on game day, the pass-run balance. 
which I mean, I, I keep I still keep reading people saying, well, he can't come up with. Let's we need to watch this season, okay? Yeah. If, if we feel the same way after this season, well, then it's definitely an acute problem because. He's never said before that he was going to make a great commitment to the running game the way he has this time behind his offensive line, which he says is the strength of the team. So let's use 15 as a barometer and go from there with regard to that. Well, and his quarterback. He's, he's, he could be a good passing quarterback for all, but he's a run-first quarterback. He's, right. a, or he's a very good running quarterback right. is what we should say. Not, I don't yeah. first, before but. you ask the, the, or say the last category here, not playing championship level, what areas do they not play championship mm-hmm. We didn't mention special teams. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go yeah. ahead, Pete. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> All right. Final question. By the time they leave slash graduate, Notre Dame's most productive and best college player from its last two recruiting classes will be? I'm going with Quentin Nelson. By the time, Because I think he has four years to start. I don't think. Yeah, he's know. a four-year yeah, starter. Yeah, I think he's a four-year sure. starter. Um, <laughs> I considered... I mean, I considered Niles Morgan, but I think he might have be a two-year starter, depending how it goes, or two-and-a-half-year starter, depending on how it goes this year. So I, I, and I don't, you know, obviously there's some guys that are going to pop up in this conversation, so I don't want to abuse them all, but I think Quentin Nelson's a four-year starter that will be a three-year excellent starter. That's a good one. I went with Jerry Tillery. Um, I think he's just got some really unique skill set and athleticism for that position. And I think by the time Jerron Jones exits, whether it's after this year or after next year, I think that position will probably improve with Jerry Tillery. I think he's going to be that good. So uh, I thought about Quentin Nelson as well, but just and that's a spot where the opportunity meets the you know you're going to improve with game experience. Jerry Tillery is going to have to sit a little bit and rotate, but uh, I think ultimately he could be great. And Alize Jones was the other one I thought about. Um, again, he's running into a situation where he's rotating probably this year, but. In terms of just athleticism for that position, Tillery and Alida Jones, I think, are are a step apart from the, the rest of the guys in their classes. I'd stick with Quentin Nelson. He was the guy that I thought was the best player in that class when he came out. <clears throat> I'm not sure that we've been very impressed with the, the physical makeup of Josh Barajas up to this point, but that's who I thought was the best of that class coming out. What makes me hesitate about Jerry Tillery, I hear what the coaches are saying, with those unique gifts. I just haven't seen them. Um, Not that I'm discounting what they're saying, but until I actually see it with my own eyes, I'm I'm not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, pick him. But actually, I mean, I'm in, I I will stick with, with the ones that I said, but I think Justin Yoon, everything I've ever seen of Justin Yoon is he's fundamentally sound. His technique is perfect. I think his mental makeup is going to be outstanding, and I think he's going to be good from day one. Yeah, I think it's a good one, too. I, Sean Crawford is a guy that I thought about putting in there, but it's like on the shorter side, how is that going to translate? But I think he's got some really unique, explosive athleticism. Where would you guys have Morgan if Joe Schmidt was no longer here? So he would have basically three yeah, years so he'd as a starter. Have, he'd so have, have to, to be, play. yeah, yeah. so he's not delayed a little bit. Yeah, I probably, I would, I might jump him to number one. I mean, if, if, Niles Morgan had the same opportunity for playing time that Quentin Nelson right. had. I would go with Niles Morgan. Yeah, that's a good point. So I think that's 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 an interesting take. So everybody who's on Irish Illustrated can read the full staff analysis of this. Uh, if 25 minutes of discussion wasn't enough for you, that will run on Saturday. And we'll be back on August 3rd, which is the first week of training camp, believe it or not. That will be a Monday podcast. We'll talk to Brian Kelly and a handful of players on that Thursday, and then we're off to... 
Culver to uh, watch the first practice on Friday, and then we'll be back, obviously, the Monday following. So until August 3rd, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson, you've been listening to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com.